tell her is pray for him. And uh, yeah, and then he will share whatever is on his heart to share with us this morning. Uh, Lord, we invite you to be part of this space. Uh, we invite you to um, make this uh, more than an academic exercise, more than um, even even more than an exercise of being interested in what someone is saying. But Lord, um, through Mark and, and just through this time where your word is open before us, uh, we pray that you would do the work of, of strengthening us through your word, of, of challenging us through your word and ministering to us in any way you'd like to through your word. May your truth fill this space. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm not very good at standing still, so we'll see how we go. I'll probably cause grief for the camera. But um, I just, when Nate and I, we spoke about me coming and sharing here, and I think I'm going to come back in August as well, I just wanted to support you guys on the journey, on the journey that you're about to go on. um, And just... To let you know that um, I guess I'm I'm pretty encouraged by about what can be in the future. Um, Nate and I have journeyed together for a long, long, long time, um, and and I must admit, I think about society around us, and I think about what the church is doing in society, and and that I'm always thinking about where the church fits. How how are we going? How are we connecting with our world? What's happening in our world? Um, knowing that society doesn't sort of it's not in control, if that makes sense. God is in control. So when I talked to Nate, um, Nate, Nate suggested that you were doing something along the lines of God's people in changing times. That was That's kind of where you've been at. And I've got something I wanted to share with you today, which sort of want to take us to an era of God's people in changing times in the Bible. And it's, in, it's actually coming out of Jeremiah 29. And it's actually during the, the, the Babylonian exile. But before I get to that... I wonder whether right now, with society changing, uh, I, I could you could just list off so many things that are going on right now. It could be cost of living going up. It could be all sorts of change of government. It could be uh, war across the world. There's so many things happening in our world right now. And if I asked you to start listing off the changing world, you would have so many things to say. And there's a song that was written in 2008, so it's a little bit later than the worship songs we had in 2002. But in 2008, there's a song written by a group called The Script. I don't even really remember these words. Uh, the lyrics were, I'm still alive, but I'm barely breathing. Just praying to a God that I don't believe in. And then the catchphrase was, I'm falling to pieces. And I'm a little concerned that people of God and, and people in Christ church that's more the song that is resonating in the heart I'm still alive but I'm barely breathing I'm praying to a God that I don't believe in I'm falling to pieces right now our atmosphere and where the church fits is just really challenging times but the Bible's got heaps to say on it. The Bible's got heaps to say on, on, on where we're at at the moment. Like one of the things that's happening in our schools is we have chaplaincy. 
uh, it's it's there's the, right now what will go towards the end of the year there'll be questions about is chaplaincy valid is it not valid in the schools how does it work is is Christianity valid or not valid in the schools that's going to be asked and that's okay it's okay for those questions to be asked but it's also important that in this time we we think of ourselves as a people that go all right well let's let's turn to God and let's see. Let's, let's see God actually do amazing things. In 589 BC, Jerusalem, God's city, if you like, was, was taken. And it threatened the people of God. People of Israel, people of God. Honestly, for them, in 589 BC, something happened that they never thought would happen. They lost Jerusalem. They invade Nebuchadnezzar. The Babylonians took over. That was the. That's this is what happened, and it, it had been prophesied and it had been predicted. But really, the people of God. Surely this could never happen. Surely this could never happen. And in that time, Jeremiah, he wrote a letter. Okay, during this time, Jeremiah was a prophet at the time. Uh, I don't know whether you remember the book of Daniel was written during the exile time. Daniel was Daniel and his young friends were exiled and into, into Babylon. They were given Babylonian God names. And, and to be honest, I always think it's amazing that they were so resolute as God's people in Babylon because they actually didn't have mentors. They were young and they actually had to figure it out for themselves because reality was the generations that had gone before them had sort of forsaken God a bit. And um, so there they are in, in Babylon trying to figure things out, being exiled and, and dealing with the reality is that the capital city, which, which should never fall, the temple has been, has been broken down. So I reckon the song was, I'm still alive, but I'm barely breathing. I'm praying to a God that, I, that feels like he's been defeated by the, by the Babylonian gods. I'm falling to pieces. And... I don't know whether you've heard of the word remnant, but coming out of exile, the Bible talks about a remnant people that God brings out. I'm going to read to you from Jeremiah 29, and you may have heard these words before, verse 13. It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now that sounds like a great verse, doesn't it? You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with me with all your heart. Great verse. Stick it up on the wall. Sounds really good. It's actually written about the people in exile. It's actually written to people who feel like, I'm praying to a God that I barely believe in. I'm falling to pieces. Sometimes the context, sometimes these verses we grab and they're wonderful and they speak to us and they encourage us and they inspire us. But sometimes these verses are written in context in the Bible which are pretty desperate. And this is, this is a pretty desperate time. So, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart was written in this context. You ready? Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, priests, prophets and all the people who'd been exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. This was after King Jehoiachin, the Queen Mother, the court officials, the other officials of Judah and all the craftsmen and artisans had been deported from Jerusalem. He sent the letter with Elisa, son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, when they went to Babylon as King Zedekiah's ambassadors to Nebuchadnezzar. And this 
is what Jeremiah's letter said. So that first bit was just setting the context. This letter was written to a people of victory in Jerusalem. This is written to exiles in Babylon. This is, and this is the letter that Jeremiah wrote. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Listen really closely to these words. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you, will, you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Did you hear that? Work for the peace and the prosperity of Babylon. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. This is, a, this is a pretty amazing letter. True? Let me keep going. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. If you seek me, you will find me. That's what I read before. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and bring you home again to your own land. I'm a very interactive kind of speaker. What, what were you thinking as you heard that letter in this context, in this world? What came to mind? Go. I was thinking how much other people don't apply in the world. For example, where he says to people go and get married and have children and multiply, it's very clear on how he will prosper his kingdom. Yep. So um, people who don't follow God's kingdom decide that I don't want to be in a marriage because I can just live with someone and I don't want to have children. It's my body, it's my rights and everything like that. So people pretty much follow what they want to do. They're not in Okay. Any other thoughts as that letter, as I as I read that letter in this context in this world, I'm, I'm going to bring out sort of four things about it. But any other thoughts? I'd like to start with what where people are thinking, what they're thinking. Well, I think it's um, it shows that it's not a new command to love your enemy either, like to to be for those that don't agree with you to. Yep. To um, still hold your faithfulness Find a way to be to be there with them and to love them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes God calls us to stay in hard places. Mm. Um, Babylon wasn't exactly 
Texts in the Bible um, which are really relevant to us, and there's some which which we don't really know of. So, for instance, uh, the Roman persecution—that's not something we experience. Uh, certainly, we don't experience like it was experienced in the New Testament. But we do experience the Babylonian exile. We do experience the the is it, 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 it does does it, is our God powerful or not powerful? What about the other? We we experience that, but. The whole plan of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians was was seduction. It wasn't persecution. Persecution came, and you'll see when as, as soon as Daniel doesn't bow down and all the rest of it. But there are different contexts of the Bible which will suit different times in our history, and some sometimes context will suit us personally. But in the overall picture, Babylon is a really powerful. There's, there's a lot of learning for us in this, and that's kind of what I wanted to tap into today. In these changing times, I want to pick out four things from the, the passage I've just read. And it's, it's all about what does it mean to be God's people. And the first thing is that is to be a people of place. A people that actually go, all right, here I am. Let me go back to Jeremiah 29 verses 5 and 6. Build homes, plan to stay, plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry, have children, find, then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away. Do you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of the other period of time, 400 years in Egypt. People have got 400 years in Egypt. What happens? They come into they come into Egypt, end up in slavery, but they came as a family. It was just a, basically an extended family, and they left as a nation. For those 400 years, there's not a lot written in the Bible about it, but for 400 years, they became a God-built a nation out of a family. It's quite amazing. And what we've got here in Babylon is this sense of be a people of place. That means that 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 work in the city, work for the work for the city, and I'll come to that one in a moment. But basically, stay occupied, plant, be part of the community, and be part of the place. Because one of the things, the dangers was, uh, whoa, can't we go back to Jerusalem? I wish. We could go back to Jerusalem. I wish we had the capital again. Why can't we go back? Times in the past were better. I long for better times in the past. How often as a church do we want to go, oh, times are better then. I wish it was like that. I wish it could be like this. I wish it could be like that. But the reality is this is saying where you are is where you are. And where you are, you can live as a people of God. I wish that, 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 our, that our government acted a certain way. Which gave us the freedoms that we've always that we used to have in the past. How many of us long for a day, maybe in the future, in the past, where we wish we had our capital city again? We wish we had Jerusalem. We wish we had the temple. 
We wish that, that God was honoured as he should be honoured. Oh my goodness, how much I wish God was honoured as he should be honoured. Because he's amazing. Jesus is amazing. I wish people understood how incredible he is. But what this is saying is, where you are, where you are, honour God. Be a people of that place. Sometimes we wish for it so much that we say, I'm going to just go somewhere else. I'm going to go to the place where they honour God more. John Knox, a reformer, had this cry, Give me Scotland lest I die. Now his primary love was for God, but he also loved Scotland. Give me Scotland lest I die. And, um, you know, I mean, we... I find it amusing because one of my favourite movies is Braveheart, Mel Gibson, you know, Scotland, Scotland, Scotland. But a reformer well before Braveheart, well before Mel Gibson chanted those words on a horse with blue face, a reformer cried out for the nation of Scotland to know God. Give me Scotland lest I die. A Presbyterian reformer. That can be the cry of our heart. Give me Sinclair, lest I die. Lord, restore this land. Because you know that um, Daniel in exile opened his, his doors towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got up to pray. So he longed for the other days, but he actually lived out this Jeremiah 29. I'm actually going to come to him in a moment. So a people of place, longing out for our place to be, to be, to be God's place. It's hard to even constant contemplate that you'd pray that Babylon turns to God. Yet I love the story of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar actually makes one of the biggest statements of faith that you'll read in the Bible in the book of Daniel. It's quite amazing, the influence. The second thing I want to suggest is that we're a people of peace and prosperity. In these changing times, how we respond is quite interesting. How do we respond to the, to the society around us? Let me go back to the verses. Verse 7, chapter 29. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Can I just encourage you right now? St. Clair Baptist Church works for the peace and the prosperity of St. Clair. Every day, Monday through to Friday, this place opens up for the peace and the prosperity of St. Clair. How many schools do we serve here, Keith? Is there 11? More, more than 11 schools. So more than 11 schools, this centre serves for the peace and the prosperity of this, this suburb. We have, we have Jess O'Brien in two schools, Banks and Blacklock. Actually, what's she doing? She's working for the peace and the prosperity of those schools. St. Clair Baptist Church lives this out. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, with Mamre Anglican College or, or other Christian organisations around. Um, great, that's fantastic. We work for the peace and prosperity of them. But what I love about St. Clair Baptist Church is St. Clair Baptist Church works for the peace and prosperity of schools around our area but they're not under God's authority they're state schools is anyone else excited about this? it's just amazing it is just amazing I'm not sure your coaching relationship is it someone from one of the local schools or the Ush or what? 
came out of the blue. Not connected to a church or anything like that. Working for the peace and the prosperity of the community. It's just, it's just brilliant. It's just brilliant and it's living out, it's living out what these scriptures are saying. Now we could all get upset and we could all get uptight about you know, schools and what they're doing and where they're going and the direction they're going. Or we could work for the peace and the prosperity of, of the school. Here it says though, because its welfare will determine our welfare. It's quite interesting, isn't it? If we work for the peace and the prosperity of our city, of our region, of our suburb, its welfare will determine our welfare. So that's what God's people do. The other thing that God's people do, we're a people of promise and plans. Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. How many of you know that verse? For I know the plans are... How many of you have, have, have misquoted it and from its context? I think I, we do it all the time. Well, this, this is written in this letter to the people of Babylon. We sometimes read that verse and go, this is fantastic. God's got good plans for us. And they have plans for good and not for disaster, for a hope and a future. How big is that verse written to the people in Babylon? How important is it for them to hear that verse? Because right there, right then, they don't feel like they have a hope and a future. They feel like they've lost their hope and the future. They feel like that they've lost their identity. They feel like that their God is lost. But here, here we've got this amazing letter written by Jeremiah saying, you have a hope and a future. As God's people here in St. Clair, we have a hope and a future. No matter what our atmosphere or our circumstances might, might be saying to us. There's a phrase I heard many years ago. The grass is greener where you water it. That's... that's the grass is greener where you water it. And you know that's a, t that's, that's a bit of a play on the other phrase, which is the grass is greener on the other side. I found that's a great illustration of, of all of this. The grass is greener where you water it. God, wherever we are, it may feel barren, it may feel, it may feel like this, how can we see any growth here? But the grass is greener where you water it. And that's exactly what's happening in Jeremiah 29. Your welfare will be determined by the city's welfare. I have plans for you. We draw our fruitfulness not from our atmosphere. That's a really, I think that's a really important lesson in our Christian lives. We draw our fruitness from fruitfulness from somewhere else. It's not from our atmosphere. Our atmosphere does not, does not determine our fruitfulness. I want you to think through places in the Bible where fruitfulness is not drawn from the atmosphere. In the Psalms, like a tree planted beside streams, there's something about our roots that draw from God. That's the, there's so much imagery in the Bible that our fruitfulness is not drawn from what's around us, from our atmosphere. John 15, he's the vine, we are the branches. It's not our atmosphere that will cause us to be fruitful because it says be fruitful. and all the, There's so much in John 15 about being fruitful, but they're actually saying, but draw from the vine to find your fruit. Galatians 5, 
but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Our atmosphere or our circumstances won't determine that fruitfulness. That fruitfulness will come from what? So I say, live by the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Does that make sense? So... No matter what the atmosphere, no matter what the political environment is, no matter what's around us, what we've got is God saying, I have plans for you to prosper and to give you a hope, to give you a future. But, our, but, but to have those plans, to have that fruitfulness, we draw from God. We draw from Jesus, the vine. We draw from the Holy Spirit, the bearer of fruit in our lives. One of the most powerful powerful things for me is to keep that in my mind all the time. My atmosphere does not determine my fruitfulness. My atmosphere does not determine my fruitfulness. I, I am fruitful or I thrive from another source. I'm like a tree planted beside the river where famine and drought does not affect me and I'm evergreen talks about that in the scriptures. I won't go into more and more verses, but let me read to you the, my favorite part of today's message. You ready? I'm a very practical person, so I, I love practical applications. But we are also a people of prayer and passion. So Jeremiah 29, 13 said this, in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. So, for us in this changing world and this environment that may not be conducive to allowing God to be king and, and all this, what we've got here is in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. So we're a people of place, we're a people of prosperity and people of God's plans and promises, but we are a people of prayer and a people of passion for God in this environment. What I said, my favourite part of this is... We've got an example. You ready? Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. This is what happened. It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. Okay, so, so Daniel had been, he had Nebuchadnezzar, but Darius was one of the later kings, so he's getting older now. It was in the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, in exile, this is Daniel, the son of Assyrus, who became king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. Daniel read the letter. Jeremiah wrote the letter. Daniel read the letter. So I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. Let me go back. Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Back to Daniel. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. And I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. I said I like practical application. There is a practical application of what you do when you read a promise. Isn't that amazing? So he reads it and then goes on and then this is the amazing prayer. So not only do we get what he did, but we actually hear what he prayed. You ready? 
Daniel chapter 9, 17 to 19. Oh, oh, our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead for your own sake, Lord, smile again on your desolate sanctuary. Oh, my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea, not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. For your own sake, do not delay. O my God, for your people and your city bear your name. That's the cry of somebody who goes... I'm going to hold on to these promises. We know that three times a day, in Daniel chapter 6, he opened up his, 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 his shutters towards, towards Jerusalem. We know that caused him to be put in a lion's den. But we know that we know what he prayed. And it was in response to a prophetic word that Jeremiah had given. What does that look like for us here and now in these times? The most amazing thing about Daniel, if we do this, there's going to be miracles, crazy miracles. So they were in Babylon. Everything looked like the church had lost its way, or if you like, in our context, the church had lost its way. God's people had lost their way. And they were there punished. But burning burning furnaces, um, dreams being interpreted, deliverance from lion's dens, it's extraordinary. And we see... Mighty things have come. And then coming out of exile, Nehemiah, Ezra, the journey out of exile. So is our song, is our song, I'm still alive but I'm barely breathing. Just praying to a God that I don't believe in. I'm falling to pieces. Or do we think of Daniel? working for the peace and the prosperity of Babylon, establishing himself, taking on leadership roles, um, declaring that God will provide, even if, even if we are not delivered, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, even if we are not delivered, please know that our God, who can, <coughs> we see their faith rise. But we, what I love most is we see the cries of the heart of Daniel here. Listen, no God, act, deliver. Like burlap and mourning and praying and crying out to God. Maybe it's time for a new song. Instead of I'm falling to pieces or barely alive, where's the church? Songs like I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 121. There's a song that's out at the moment. It says, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. 
with every breath and I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. This is the song, current song. Maybe the cries of our heart, our songs, need to, to move away from the script. Now, the script wasn't a Christian song, it was just a, a song. And maybe our, our cries need to be, have the cries of, of Daniel. Listen, O God, act, deliver, we cry out to you. Hmm. Thoughts. <laughs> As we've sat here, as we've thought about St. Clair, us, anybody have a thought that's come to mind that they'd like to share just as we finish up? Because I'm finished. You can't wait for someone else to do it. What are you got? I get so excited because I look at Babylon and it doesn't get much worse than that. <laughs> like seriously, it doesn't get much worse than that. And yet it's filled with some of the most amazing miracles in the Bible. And, it's, and, and that prayer that Daniel prays, have a, have a read of Daniel 9. If you want to know how to respond to a changing world around us, there's, there's the way to respond. Have a read of Daniel 9. Go back to Jeremiah 29. And just, I, I love it. So Jer Jeremiah prophesies and Daniel reads the prophecy and then Daniel's response. It's all in scripture for us. And it's just something that we can actually live out. I know that I've cried the Daniel prayer many a time. Do I give to you? Okay, thanks, Mark. And um, I was, um, I guess one of the thoughts you had uh, was, is also, we, you should never underrate um, because it's God's world, and and we are the people of God, and and the Word of God is living water to the world, and and we should never underestimate the power of our witness to the world. Um, for instance, like I mean, I you know, Daniel randomly came to mind. Do you remember ages ago when Baptist Care were emptying out that facility, and you bought your mate, and you know, like there's this expensive stuff that people aren't profiting off; they're just giving it away, and and you need to understand that. People are not used to a society where people demonstrate that sort of generosity. They're just like, what? They're just, and it impacted him, didn't it? For the church, it impacted him. Um, you know, like we had um, Danielle from the Ush came, non-Christian mum came, impacted by the message that Laura gave about how Jesus treats children. Um, you know, in a conversation where, and Christians get caught up in this too, where. You know, if you go on YouTube and say the vitriol, the, the determined to be right, proving how wrong and base the other side is, you know, people get stuck in this cycle. Do you know who are the people who demonstrate what grace looks like? You, are there any? There's not many people outside Christians who say, I don't know the answer to that. That's okay. God, God's got it. Like, we can demonstrate things into the culture that they're hungry for. Demonstrate grace. Demonstrate... Um, 
demonstrate a humble a humility that there's things I don't know that the people need to see these sorts of things there are people in our community who care for sick people as part of what they do for the most of their lives and they do it with grace and they do it without bitterness and they do it with with and you know like are you telling me there aren't people stuck in need that need to see that example I mean what we bring is huge as the people of God to our culture it's huge it's huge because Jesus is awesome and he's huge and what he brings so that was the only thing that was just an extra thought I had is that when they say work for the peace and prosperity of the city because if you are filled with the values of God you have a heck of a lot to offer the peace and prosperity of the city like you have a lot to offer them absolutely and there are people who like you know that whole God is at work I mean I, I there was a guy I don't know there was an islander guy who became a Christian and was part of our youth camps, um, Sam, he's an, do you remember him? Yeah. And he said, when someone introduced me to Jesus, it was like someone I, I, I already knew, I just hadn't met him yet. And, what, and, the, and that always reminded me that there are people who actually long for a gracious world and they don't know where to look for it, and then they meet the people of God and they ah, oh, this is the guy I've been wanting to follow. You know, and, and so just what we bring. So, but thank you, Mark, for coming to share. Uh, and you'll, you'll, he'll be here, he'll come again um, after I... After I get out of here for a bit on this on the 17th of July, uh, so th- so thanks again. Let me just close our time in prayer.